Thanks for listening to this week's Hope at Crossroads. We are glad you're taking the time to listen. As you tune in today, if you need encouragement or prayer, please reach out to us by texting 864-288-1626. Or you can connect with us through our website, hopeatcrossroads.org. Spread the word to your friends and let them know they can subscribe at Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. And now, here's this week's message. Amen. Good morning, church family. If you've got your Bible or your app or your tablet, I want to encourage you to open up to the book of 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 2. While you're turning there, let me again say thank you to uh, those of you who helped with Vacation Bible School. I know a lot of our students uh, helped as well, and so thankful for them. I also want to say a big thank you to my friend Corey for uh, getting us started on 2 Timothy last week, chapter 1. I I have struggled with this chapter this week. Um, I I want to tell you that because I want you to understand that uh, Corey, uh, Heath, myself, uh, when we're up here preaching, we're also learning, uh, and we're no different than you. Uh, We are absorbing what God's Word tells us to do, and in light of what we have seen happen uh, just in our immediate uh, uh, area, as Joey mentioned, with the loss of an officer in the line of duty in our nation, uh, I know many of you are aware of the Supreme Court ruling this week, uh, and I just want to remind us that's just in our community and in our nation. There are things happening all over the planet. Uh, We sometimes lose focus because we're in America. There are things happening all over the world. God is at work. And uh, I, I, like Joey and like you, when some things go crazy and the world is in chaos, uh, I'm asking those questions just like you. God, what in the world is going on? What is happening? And maybe even a better question is, what should I be doing as a child of God? What should my response be? What am I supposed to do in all of this chaos? Chuck Swindoll, uh, a great preacher, and I would even say theologian because he knows much about the scriptures, wrote a book kind of about this idea. How then shall we live in light of what's going on in the world? How should we be living? And we get some great instruction from uh Paul's writing to Timothy, and he is writing, of course, not just to Timothy as a pastor, leader, young man in the faith, but I believe the things that he shares with Timothy are also appropriate for us in 2022, appropriate for us as leaders, appropriate for us as a church, because God's Word has a way of uh, communicating to all of us no matter where we find ourselves in life. So let's look at it together, 2 Timothy chapter 2. Uh, Many, many years ago, uh, I had memorized this chapter. I don't know about you, but I need to recommit myself to the memorization of God's Word. Because uh, the Bible tells us, David tells us, Thy word I have hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. And the problem that I have in my life, and I would suggest possibly you do too, is that many times when I'm tempted, there are scriptures that had I memorized them, would come to my mind and my heart that would keep me from those things. But I've not memorized enough scripture. And 2 Timothy chapter 2 says, You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is found in Christ Jesus. 
And the things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, these entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Suffer hardship with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier in active service entangles himself in the affairs of everyday life so that he may please the one who enlisted him as a soldier. And also, if anyone competes as an athlete, he does not win the prize unless he competes according to the rules. The hardworking farmer ought to be the first to receive his share of the crops. Consider what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. And remember, Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, descendant of David, according to my gospel. And for sake of time, we will stop there this morning because there is more in those verses than we have the time to actually deal with this morning. I believe from these verses of Scripture, Paul gives us, it gives to Timothy, at least five considerations to uh, navigate this crazy world that we live in. And the first one is this, remember the faith of those who came behind us. If you were here last week, you'll know that uh, Corey shared with us and Paul shared with Timothy some names of people, actually, as we went through First Timothy, of people who were instrumental in helping Timothy in his early life. And Paul, again, in this chapter, reminds Timothy, the things you heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, the things you heard me say, it implies that you actually have heard that you've actually heard some things from somebody that can not only just inspire you, but can instruct you and show you the ways of Jesus. And I started thinking about this week, the faith of those who came behind me, the people who poured into me and made me who I am. I hope that you are grateful for those people who poured into you, who encouraged you, who demonstrated Jesus to you, who showed you what Jesus was all about, maybe who sacrificed in an incredible way so that you could have the things that you have and have the knowledge and the wisdom that you have. And when I think about Paul saying here to Timothy, the things you've heard me say, remember those, be strong in those, the things you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, there's something very important that's implied there. And it's the power of community. We've talked about this, and Timothy's talked about this in his first letter to Paul, about the the power of mentorship, the power of pouring into people. And dear church family, those things don't happen outside the context of community and outside the context, I would say in this respect, what Paul is saying to Timothy, outside the context of faith community. I am getting, as a pastor, very tired of talking to people who are trying to find out God's direction for their life, what God wants me to do here, what God wants me to do with my family, what God wants me to do there. And they try to do that outside the context of the faith community, the church, that Jesus put together as a reason primarily for us to learn and to grow and to hear the voice of God collectively with one another. Jesus himself had three disciples that he was close to that were part of his immediate group. If the Son of God, Needed community. Dear friends, we need each other. We need to learn from those that are behind us. We need to pour into those that are coming after us. And when I was reading this this week, I was reminded afresh and anew. Paul is saying, he is assuming, Timothy, you heard these things because you were in the right place to hear them. 
There's a question, as you know, I make my own notes and write my own notes as I'm studying. And the questions that I wrote down here is, am I putting myself in a position to hear the voice of God? Now, that doesn't say you can't be a part of studying God's Word on your own. You should be, by the way. You should be having your own personal, I should be having my own personal devotional time, my own quiet time with God. But one of the things that helps us hear and discern whether it's the voice of God or some other voice is God's Word, but it's also fellow believers and learning together in, in the community of faith that God has put together. Are there people's names and faces that come to your mind as you think about where you are in your spiritual journey? There's dozens of faces that come to my mind of people who poured into me. Teachers, Sunday school leaders, discipleship leaders, youth pastors, worship pastors, pastors. People who poured into me that taught me God's truth that I heard that made me the person that I am. One of the ways we navigate the chaos of this present world is we have to remember the faith of those who came behind us. I think about where we are as a church family. Where we're headed, where God has us. I hope you feel this way because church family, I'm new to Crossroads. Less than three years. Some of you have been here a long time. But I feel, just being truthful with you this morning, a tremendous responsibility, sometimes pressure, but mostly responsibility to those men and women who 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 100 years ago had a testimony of Jesus Christ that were living and poured into the next generations that as a result, you are sitting here today. And I'm sitting here today. I want you to know as one of the pastors of this church, I do not take that for granted. And you shouldn't either. Because there was many sacrifices made along the way. Many of which we will not know about until we step into heaven and we have those conversations over eternity. Financial sacrifices. Sacrifices of time. Sacrifices of energy. I don't know about you, but what that does for me when I reflect on and I remember the faith of people who came behind me, it inspires me, it motivates me, it energizes me. And I hope it does for you as you think about those people who have poured into you and poured into our church. Many of them are looking, I believe, this morning with all my heart over the portals of heaven and they are watching to see what we will do as the next generation of Crossroads. Will we do as Paul is instructing Timothy here to be looking back at those who came behind us and remembering their faith, their testimony, the things that we heard in the presence of many witnesses. But he also says, those things that you heard, you are to entrust to faithful men who will be able to pour into others. Some translations say, remember the testimony from those people to pour into the next generation, the power of your testimony Remember the testimony that you have. Fellow believer, this morning I just want to challenge you. If you're a child of God, you have a testimony. Say, Pastor, what is a testimony? A testimony is you are are an eyewitness to what Jesus has done in your life. You You can give testimony. You can testify, as we used to say in the old days. You can testify to what Jesus has done in your life. And testimonies are powerful. We had Wanda give hers a few weeks ago. We probably should have those every week. As a matter of fact, I would love to think that if we opened the mic this morning and I said, I'm just going to give you point number one and we're done with the sermon. How about some of us just give testimony about who Jesus is in your life? I would hope 
that the culture of our church would become such that for 30 minutes, 40 minutes, maybe hours and hours, we could stand up and just talk about what Jesus Christ has done in our life. Do you have a testimony? You say, what is a testimony? I, I could give you my testimony. I could tell you that before I met Jesus, I was a young little high school kid. Hadn't killed anybody. Hadn't robbed a bank or done anything that most of us would consider horrendous sins. But nonetheless, I didn't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I was kind of going through my daily life, just kind of on autopilot, making my own decisions. As a matter of fact, I had been plugged into a church where sometimes I saw Jesus being lived out and sometimes I didn't. And I had kind of made the decision of about 15 years of age. Uh, I'm not really sure if these Jesus people actually believe what they say. I think I'm just going to give it up. And I remember riding down the road listening to a Christian radio station that's still here in our area. And hearing a song. And turning it up and hearing the power of the chorus in the song. Come on home to the Father. Come on home to the Son. Come home, the battle's over. Christ is won. And I remember pulling my car over to the side and just starting to weep as the Spirit of God said, you're a good kid, but you're not a child of God. Friends, there's an eternity of difference between being a good person and a person that's a child of God. And right there on the side of that road, I said, Jesus, if you're real, I, I need you to come into my life and take control. And I surrender to you. And right there on the side of that interstate called I-85, I said, yeah, Jesus, I need you. And my life was changed. It's never been the same. Do you have a testimony? I hope that you do. Because Paul is telling Timothy and reminding him, Timothy, remember the testimony that you have. Because, dear church family, in our culture, even in America, there can be many rights, many things taken away. They could close the doors of this church, put locks on it, and the government could say, you can never worship together again. But I will tell you by the authority of God's word, there's one thing they can never take away from you if you know Jesus, and it's your testimony. The word of God says in the book of Revelation, that's actually how we overcome, by the blood of the Lamb in our testimony. Do you have a testimony? I'm not talking about Pastor Jack. I joined the church. I filled out that card. I'm a member of Crossroads. Dear friend, that's not what I'm talking about. There's many people who have their name on the church roll. Can I be really real with you this morning? There's many people who have their name on the church roll of Crossroads Baptist Church who are going to bust the doors of hell wide open. I've been here three years. I'm, I'm just being... Truthful, honest, 100% with you this week. God has done something in my heart this week. I've been here three years and some of these people I have not yet met face to face. How can you say you love Jesus and not be a part of worshiping with his bride? That's like coming up to me and saying, Pastor Jack, I love you, but your wife? <laughs> By the way, don't do that. It won't end well. I hope you have a testimony. If you're a child of God, you do. And it's a powerful testimony. You say, well, I never shot anybody. I was never hooked on drugs, pastor. I was never in prison. You don't have to have all that bad past. Some of you, you know what? Thank God Almighty, you grew up in a church that loved Jesus. You knew Jesus early. Thank God for your parents and that legacy. 
that you never had to wallow in the mud like the pig, like the prodigal son and come back to Jesus. You've always known about Jesus and you gave your heart to Jesus and your life to Jesus. Wow, that's an incredible testimony. Not everybody has that testimony. I was talking to a young man this week. His name is Jaden. He's 24 years old. I said, Jaden, what's your short story? And he started sharing his testimony. And I started weeping listening to his testimony. Because his initial thing he said to me was, well, my testimony is not that powerful. I said, well, try me. Let me hear your testimony. He said, I grew up in a home where I never knew my dad. All my relatives and my mom told me I was an accident. I wasn't supposed to happen. I was a mistake. When I got to high school, I got hooked on drugs. He said, I was so hooked on drugs that when I finally got off, I finally went to college and I moved in with some people who were pretty straight, who were in the military. He said, when I finally got off of the drugs, he said, it took me about a year to actually be able to mentally concentrate. He said, somehow I found a Bible and I picked up a Bible and I started, God just started speaking to me and I said, Jesus, if you're real, I want to know you. And he said, I picked up and I turned to the book of Luke. He said, I read the whole book of Luke in one sitting. He said, when I got through reading the book of Luke, he said, I just passed out and went to sleep. He started laughing. He said, I said, are you serious? He said, yeah, that's all my mind could handle because of all the drugs I had taken. But he said, when I got through reading the book and I woke up, I got on my hands and knees and I said, Jesus, I need you. If you're real, I need you. And now this guy's a leader in his church at 24 years of age. I said, praise God, you need to share that story. Hello, that's your testimony. That's the power of God. Say, Pastor Jack, you're getting excited. I am. Because when you hear what God does in somebody else's life, it encourages you. It sets you on fire. It motivates you. One of Satan's greatest tools is silence. It's to get you to be quiet. You're too loud. Don't speak out about God. Folks, we've let that seep into the church because the culture tells us, shh, 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 shh. You can talk about being good and morality and all that, but don't talk about Jesus. Have we let that seep into the house of God where we don't even talk about the power of Jesus anymore? I hope not. Because our testimony is powerful. And Paul is saying to Timothy, remember, don't forget the testimony that you have. Because it will help others be impacted by the gospel. As a matter of fact, I was convicted this week, if you can't tell, (laughs) that my primary job as one of the pastors here, I would submit your primary job as a child of God is to train other people to know Jesus. That is our primary responsibility. And Paul is telling Timothy this. To train other people to know Jesus. Why? Because there are some challenges ahead. And that brings us to the third thing he tells Timothy. Suffer hardship with me. Oh. Suffer hardship with me as a good soldier. There's that military term Paul uses often in the book of Ephesians. He talks about a lot, as you will remember. Suffer hardship with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. The third thing that I get from this passage is we have to remember the reason for our suffering. This one, as I studied this this week, wow. You ever get, you ever get, do you ever get kind of beat up by the Holy Spirit? Is it just me? Is it just, I know it just doesn't do that to pastors. 
If you haven't been beat up by the Holy Spirit, then I just encourage you to get into God's Word a little bit more, because you will be. I mean in a good way. Because I was reminded this week, following Jesus is hard. Following Jesus is difficult. I am, I am concerned, maybe even worried, that as a pastor, as much as I want people to come to faith in Jesus, and by the way, if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus, I would encourage you, it's the best decision you could ever make. But I'll be honest with you and tell you this, it's, it's not a life of, of rose petals on the road. It's not a golden brick road. It's not all sunrises and sunsets. Yes, there's eternal life. Yes, Jesus is with you every step of the way. Praise God, those are great things. But it is a road that will be hard. There will be suffering. And Paul is telling Timothy this just as much as Jesus said to his disciples, hey, be careful when you go out there in the world. He said in the book of John, the world's going to be difficult, but take heart, I have overcome the world. There's going to be suffering. Perhaps in some respects in the North American church, we have made following Jesus too attractive. Come on down the aisle. All you do is you fill out a form. You say yes to Jesus. You're immediately a part of the family. And then you can kind of go do whatever you want after that. And Jesus will be with you. There will be no sacrifice. There will be nothing that you have to give. There will be nothing that you have to sacrifice. That's not the Jesus of the Bible. That's the North American Jesus. That's not the Jesus of the Bible. Jesus challenged people and said, You are going to have to deny yourself, Matthew chapter 16. Take up your cross and follow me. Boy, that's not a good campaign slogan if you're running for office. Hey, you can follow me. You can vote for me. You can be a part of my team. But you've got to take up your cross, deny yourself. And yet, as a result of that campaign slogan, we sit in, as many people do across the planet, in congregations and worship Jesus, the one true God today. Amazing. A good soldier. It's going to be hard. There's going to be suffering. And Paul uses two examples to kind of bring it home for the people that he's speaking to as he's sharing this with Timothy. He uses two examples. He talks about an athlete. Who doesn't win the prize unless he competes according to the rules. He talks about a farmer who doesn't receive any crops if he doesn't work hard. He's, he's encouraging Paul to consider suffering and have the attitude of an athlete or as a farmer. And those of you who are athletic or those of you who farm know there are sacrifices. There are seasons that you have to do certain things to get the results that you want. There are challenges if you're working out and you're an, an athlete and you're competing. There are things that you have to do. There's weight that you have to lose. There's weight that you have to gain. There's all these regimens and things that you have to do. There's training. And there's training to be a soldier of Jesus Christ. It's interesting that he mentions the word soldier twice in verse 3. And then again he mentions it in verse 4 when he gives us the fourth thing about being uh, navigating the chaos of the present. He says in verse 4, No soldier in active service entangles himself in the affairs of everyday life. Let me read that again. No soldier... In active service, entangles himself in the affairs of everyday life. What is Paul saying to Timothy? He's saying, stay focused. 
Stay focused. Church, I I, want to encourage us. I want you to encourage me. I want you to hold me accountable that in the days and weeks and months ahead, we are in critical times in the life of our church. We're in critical times in the life of our country. We need to stay focused. It is easy to get distracted, but Paul is telling Timothy, no soldier entangles himself in the everyday, mundane, unimportant things of life. I am so grateful to be a part of a church that believes that, that doesn't get so concerned about the mundane, the unimportant. I was talking to some pastors this week who were so struggling with some of their churches and talking about things that are going on, things that people are nitpicking about, things that are are minor things that have become major things. If we debate things like having coffee in the worship center, where we worship, do we worship here, there, or yonder, church family, we are focusing on things that do not matter the eternal consequence of God. I took a quick hop this week for a couple days down to the Dominican Republic to get ready for our team in July. When you're standing out under 90 degree heat sun with people worshiping in no building, it makes you grateful for the building that we get to sit in and worship today. Which is why I encourage you to get out of the United States of America because we tend to think everybody does what we do when it comes to Christianity, and they do not. We are tremendously blessed. Maybe we're too blessed. Maybe we need to change our song, God Bless America, to America Bless God. Because God's already blessed America. And what's it done for us? It's made us ungrateful, generally speaking, and unappreciative. And you see people who endure hardship and the struggles they face. And somehow, ironically, their worship and their passion for Jesus is greater than mine. And it almost makes me want to pray, God, take away things from me so I will be more grateful. Isn't that a crazy prayer? Suffering. Staying focused. I thought about this week. I I, I just wrote down, what are some things for us as crossroads? What are some things for us in our country, in our area, that perhaps shift our focus like nothing else? And get us distracted. I could come up with a laundry list. But there's two that immediately came to my mind. I want to share with you this morning. If they hit you in the gut. I apologize. But let God hit you in the gut this morning. Here's the first one. Achievement, accolades, and accomplishments. I read this week. And you probably have seen it too. If you're a sports person. A young guy named Kevin Durant. With the Brooklyn Nets just signed a four-year, $198 million extension contract with his club on Friday. 32 years old. Original deal was $164 million with his uh, 2019-2020 NBA season. And yet he even set out the first year of that, some of you will know, because he had Achilles tendon problem. And now he's signed to... A new deal, $198 million. Are you saying, Pastor Jack, are you not about achievements and accomplishments? And That's not what I'm saying. When those become the driving force, especially when those become the driving force over your relationship with Jesus, here's what's happened, dear friends. You have replaced God with another God. 
Forgive me, but I'm getting ready to get up into somebody's business this morning. If you're a parent and you're a grandparent, and you're more concerned with the success of your child on the sports field or in the classroom than you are about them knowing Jesus Christ, your passions are misplaced. I know that hurts. See, Pastor Jackie, you don't know how it is to be a parent. Oh, I do. You don't know how difficult it is to be a parent. Oh, I do. I'm not suggesting what I'm saying to you is easy to navigate. I'm just telling you what God's Word says. And if we're pushing our children to be the best that they can be in sports and the best that they can be in school and the best that they can be at everything except following Jesus, we are going to stand in judgment in front of Almighty God for that. I am going to stand in front of God for that, just like you are. I'm no different. It scares me. I hope it scares you. So those things can distract us. Here's another one that's maybe more general that I thought about this week. Politics. Oh, me. He's getting ready to talk about politics in the pulpit. No, actually, I'm not. Because here's the reality. What I believe, and you can agree to disagree, that there's been so much focus, especially over the last few years, on politics... And our desire, my desire, for certain things to happen and certain candidates to happen and certain political parties to happen. Church, hear me with all the love in my heart for you this morning. That what has happened in the process of that passion across America that has maybe been misplaced to some degree is while that has happened, what has happened is a generation of people are leaving the church because they think we have a love more for politics than we do for Jesus. I was reading some statistics this week that said the generation, the current generation, millennials and younger, are leaving the church not because they don't have a love for Jesus, They're leaving the church because they think we as the church have lost our love for Jesus. And they've come to church thinking, maybe here I'll find the love for Jesus. But they come here and we're more distracted and unfocused on things that don't matter. So they go, you know what, I'll just solo live the Christian life, which is impossible by the way. They're not leaving the church because they don't believe in Jesus. They're leaving the church because they think the church doesn't believe in Jesus. What a sad commentary. Are you with me this morning? Say, uh-huh. Okay, I know. It's, trust me, this is hard. If you think your toes are bleeding, I, my socks are red. This week, I'm serious. It's easy. Even as a pastor and a leader... To get our focus off in the wrong place. It's even easy as a leader, especially in Baptist life, in any church life, but especially in Baptist life, to get our focus off on the wrong place. On bucks and butts, if you'll forgive me. Dollars and people. Dollars are important, especially when you're going through a building campaign. People are important, period. But the focus is... And should be, according to Paul and his word to Timothy, 
Are we living in such a way? And here's the question. Are we living in such a way to please the one who enlisted us as a soldier, to please our commanding officer? He is our commanding officer. Make no mistake. Maybe we need a reminder of that in America, that Jesus did not come to rule and reign politically. That's what, when he was here on this planet, that's what everybody thought he came to do. And as he always does, he kind of turned everything upside down and said, No, I'm not here to be a Democrat or a Republican. I'm here to be king. And every knee will bow and every tongue will confess, I am Lord. No matter your party affiliation or who you would particularly like to be in office. And I am, I am well aware of the fact, as you probably are this week, that we had in our country this week a major ruling by the Supreme Court of the United States of America. My reaction to that has been mild. I've had some friends who've said, you need to celebrate that more. I have some friends who've said, you don't need to celebrate that at all. Say, Pastor Jack, why is your celebration mild? I think I can speak with some authority in this because you may or may not know, but before coming to Crossroads and still from time to time in the spring and the fall, but before coming to Crossroads, I would speak in probably 25 to 30 pregnancy centers across the country. So I'm not speaking out of ignorance, but I will say this to you. Legislation has never changed someone's heart. If it did, we got plenty of laws on the books. We should all be Bible-believing, faithful followers of Jesus if, it was, if our hearts could be changed by the law. And while in some respects the decision may be a step in the right direction, if you've read the decision, and I have, you'll know that the reality is, in some respects, it's merely a formality because every state is left to its own decision. So someone wanting to have an abortion, if South Carolina says that's illegal and North Carolina says it is legal, they'll just drive across the state line. So what have we changed? Saying, Pastor Jack, are you not, you don't sound too, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying what can happen and what has happened, because I've watched this week kind of in silence on social media at different people responding is the same thing that happened a few years ago with an election, or a year or so ago with an election. Is it sometimes in our response as Christians, our response sometimes is, we won, you lost. God's dealt with me about that this week. Have you ever tried to win somebody to Christ to whom you told them you lose? Pretty difficult. Maybe even impossible. My caution to us as a church family this morning is though internally we might be excited and celebrate, we should very much so consider our outward response that we don't push away 50% of people who need to come to know Jesus. Are you tracking with me this morning? And what happens is, and what Paul, I believe, is telling Timothy when he says, suffer hardship as a soldier, no soldier entangles himself in 
gets distracted in these other affairs, not that they are unimportant. But if you put the spotlight on those things and not the spotlight on Jesus, who ultimately is the only one that can change a human heart, what have you gained other than to say, we won? I'm processing all this this week. Here's a question I wrote. Am I more concerned about my children's political view or their faith in Jesus Christ? Is my politics my primary identity marker or is it my faith in Jesus Christ? Because if the people God allows to come across your path and my path, to whom we may have the opportunity to be the light of Jesus... And in your world, probably even more so than my world, because I live in a pretty sanitized world as a pastor. I'm talking to you guys during the week, and we're planning things, and we're ministries for the church. And there's a couple handful of people that that don't know Jesus that I'm trying to meet with periodically. But pretty much, one of the safest places to live as a Christian is as a minister, because we live in somewhat sanitized Life. You're in workplaces where vulgar things are being said, and you're in schools where things are being said, in communities and neighborhoods where you have the opportunity to be the light of Jesus. But if the person to whom God has surrounded you, to whom you might have an opportunity to be the light of Jesus, more identifies you with being a Republican or Democrat than being a Lover of Jesus and follower of Jesus, what have you won? What have I won? So what Paul is telling Timothy here is challenging. No soldier in active service entangles himself in the affairs of everyday life. then he goes on to say, verse 7, Consider these things I'm telling you. Consider what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. And the last thing he says is this. Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descendant of David. Remember Jesus Christ. Why would Paul finish all those things and then before he gets into... Some other things in in the scripture about being sound in his faith and living for Jesus... Why would he say remember Jesus Christ? Because Jesus Christ, as you know, church is the ultimate example of how we should live. Jesus Christ is why we do what we do. Jesus Christ is why we try to reach people. Jesus Christ is why we're marching toward the future as a church, toward a facility that will reach more children like the ones that we reached at Vacation Bible School. Jesus Christ is why we do these things. Jesus Christ should be the motivation, the end game, by the way, as I've said before, but it's been a while. The end game is not Crossroads Baptist Church. The end game is not even actually the church. The end game is seeing the kingdom of God grow. Church is mentioned maybe five times in the New Testament, the word church. Kingdom of God is mentioned dozens of times. You say, Pastor Jack, are you saying the church is not important? That's not what I'm saying at all. 
I'm saying the church, as God intended it, and the reason the Scripture says the gates of hell will not prevail against the church is because the church is the tool God has given us, Jesus has given us, to see the kingdom of God grow. We are a tool. Sometimes we, I, get distracted and begin to think, well, no, the church is the end game. That's, no, 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 we're not the end game. Is, is this tracking? Is this making sense with you? It's almost like if you're on a boat in the lake and your boat is pointed and focused toward the kingdom of God. In that wake of the boat, that water of the boat, if you're a water skier, in that wake, the church is being built. But the focus is on the kingdom of God. My prayer is that'll be our focus today. That that will be our focus today. That we'll remember the faith of those that came behind us. We'll remember our testimony that is very powerful. That we'll remember in this chaos of the world as we're suffering. To stay focused. Because Jesus is our example. How did I know that Timothy knows that? How do I know Timothy was learning that from his mentor Paul? How, how do I know that? Well, if you back up. He tells us in verse 12. Let me read it to you. For this reason, I suffer these things. I am not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed. And I am convinced that he is able to guard what I have trusted entrusted to him until that day. I'm not ashamed. I know who I have believed, and I am convinced. If you study the Greek there, which I have and I love it, believing in Jesus is one thing. Being convinced that Jesus is the King is a different thing. Are you convinced today? Will you pray with me? Father, thank you for the power of your word. If for no other person today this message has been for me, praise you, God, because I need it. Lord, would you help us? I thank you that we have a church family here who is focused on Jesus Christ. There are so many affairs of the world that come up that it's not that they're not important. They are important. But the thing that is of primary importance is are we following Jesus, can we say, lead me and I will follow? Church, this morning as you're praying right there in your seat, I'm going to ask you to do something different today. Just a moment, I'm going to have a short prayer. And maybe you like me, I'm the first one down at the altar this morning. Maybe you like me, as you've heard God's word this morning, you've been convicted and you need to pray. I'm asking you, church family, to slip out of your seat this morning in just a minute and come to the front. Pray for our country, pray for our church. Pray for spiritual focus in your life, in the life of your family. Maybe mom, dad... You need to come down to the front and just cry out to God and say, God, I need your wisdom to navigate the chaos of this world. I I want my kids to be involved in the things of life and school and sports and all that. But God, ultimately, I want them to know you more than anything. Maybe you need to come to the front. Maybe you even need to grab the hand of your teenager, your young person, your 
student, your child, and come down and say, we're going to pray together as a family. Maybe today you're here and you'd say, you know what? I, I hear Timothy say, I'm not ashamed. I know who I'm believed. I'm convinced. And you're here this morning and you would say, I, I, I'm not sure who I believe. And you need to turn your life over to Jesus. It's so easy, much like I shared that I did on the side of a highway one day. Just to say, Lord, I need you. I surrender to you. If that's the prayer of your heart today. In just a moment, my friend Joey is going to lead us in a song of invitation. And we're going to stand and I'm going to ask you just to slip out of that seat and come down here and take myself by the hand. Or my friend Heath or Corey will be here. Maybe you need someone to pray with you this morning. Church family, if God's spoken to your heart, I pray you would obey him today. Father, I pray, God, you'd speak to our hearts today. I pray you have. I pray, Lord, for myself this morning. As one of the pastors of this church, God, would you break my heart for what breaks yours? God, would you bring revival in this place? Lord, our lives sometimes are navigating chaos, and that means the world outside these walls is navigating chaos, and they're looking to us as people who say we have the answer to say, what do I do? May we show them Jesus. May we put the spotlight on Jesus, not any sideshow or side attraction or distraction, but on you, Jesus. Have your way during this service, during this invitation. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So good to see you this morning. Would you stand with us as we sing this song of invitation? God's moved on your heart to respond. We'll be here waiting this morning. We hope you've been challenged and inspired from today's message. You can find out more about the message you have heard today by visiting our website, hope at crossroads.org. If you live in the upstate South Carolina area and you're looking for a church home, we hope you'll come by and visit sometime. Details about our church and service times can also be found online. In addition, we want to invite you to check out some of the great items at our website that will help you, or you can give as a gift to a friend. Devotionals and other resources are all available at hope at crossroads.org. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you will tune in again next week.